0: Shaking, in, I'm shaking in the presence of God. He's here, with us. Feel His Holy Spirit shaking in His presence. It's good to be here. We're talking about being better together, and we've been having a series of interviews with people. So I'm going to invite Gee to come up front. I was practicing all week, Guy, and then I found out this morning it's Gee Benson. And I'll, and I'll let you say your last name. Alexan. All right. Tell us just a little bit about yourself, your family, what you do. Well, um, I'm from Haiti, and I used to go to Gilgal Seven Adventist Church. And I'm a certified surgical tech working for YMC, a member of plastic reconstruction team and vascular team. And I'm married to Joanna, my beautiful, and I have a son, Sean. OK. We have, we have a few questions for you this morning. What is your favorite holiday? Thanksgiving. It reminds me um, to count all the blessings and to be faithful and grateful to God. It is a day also I get to see my friends and other family members I don't see every day. Okay, good. What Bible character do you most relate with and why? Moses, because Moses was a very patient man and I'm very patient. Okay, that's good to know. Good to know. What chore do you just dislike the most? Taking out the trash. (laughs) Okay. If you could learn to do anything, what would it be? A pilot. What was that? A pilot. A pilot. Okay, very good. And final question. What is the best way to make friends with someone for you? Just be yourself. Get engaged with the person and uh, be respectful and uh, trustful. Okay, very good. Thank you, Guy, and welcome, and uh, we'll look forward to getting to know you better. God bless. Thank you. Fun getting to know some people that we may see, but not know about them too much. Uh, In watching the news this week, um, I was thinking about maybe I'll declare my candidacy for President of the United States. Just thinking about it, there's a few, a few uh, hurdles to get over, but uh, it seems like every day uh, you turn on the news and uh, somebody's running for president, somebody's involved. So I thought this morning we would talk about something a little not too controversial, politics and religion. How's that? And if you go to the book of Daniel, I love history and I love politics. And I'm not going to tell you where I stand politically, but uh, we're going to talk about standing strong together because we're talking our series is better together. And we're going to take a look at standing strong together. Um, if I was going to make a bumper sticker for my candidacy, if I announce, um, this would be my bumper sticker or whichever party or whichever group I was in, standing strong together. Because there's a couple of things in there that we're gonna see in the sermon that I think that are really important. First of all, that you stand for something. You stand for something. And you better in your life know what you stand for. Um, I was sitting in a restaurant this week and I heard, my wife tells me I talk loud, but sometimes I meet people that talk louder than me. And these people in the restaurant were talking very strongly about what their political views were and how much they hated the other party. Very strongly. Okay, I, w- I believe it's good for us to stand for something and not so much always be standing against something. There's a lot of people against a lot of things. But it's important for you as a Christian, as a Seventh-day Adventist, even as an American to know what you stand for. So stand for something. And to stand strong, we're gonna look at Daniel and his friends and the incredible pressure that they were under to stand up for what they believed in. So not only take a stand, but be strong in it, even when you are a super duper minority in that position. Standing strong, and it's so important that we be together, that we stand strong together. So if you see those bumper stickers coming out, Get a couple of them, put some signs in your yard, and uh, I think I can carry the Adventist vote in Florida, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the examples in the Bible of those who stood for you, who stood strong together. We wanna to do that today in, in the culture and the world that we live in, and as, as history winds down, we know that you're gonna ta- call us to take a real, real strong for you stand for you. So. May we hear your spirit today as we look at the word and look at the examples of these four young men. In Jesus' name, amen. I love history. I love politics. So I'm gonna throw a few quotes at you. Uh, one of the guys that I really enjoy in history is Ben Franklin. Um, and he had a great, a great quote during the Revolution uh, where, I don't know if you know, during the American Revolution, about a third of the population was Tory which mean they supported the British crown. About a third was, we would call them revolutionaries, we would call them patriots, the British would call them traitors, it just depends on what side of the ocean you're on. About a third were patriots, and about a third did not take a position. So not, it wasn't a majority that was fighting for uh, independence. Ben Franklin had a quote, he said, we must indeed all hang together Or most assuredly, gentlemen, we shall hang separately." They were putting their heads on the line for what they believed in. Abraham Lincoln, this is a picture of him at the end of the war. This picture actually was one of the last few that was taken of him about two months before he was assassinated. And interesting enough, this week was the 150th anniversary of uh, his assassination. April 14, 150 years ago. And he said, a house divided against itself cannot what? Stand. I believe this government cannot endure permanently half slave and half free. I do not expect the union to be dissolved. I do not expect the house to fall, but I do expect it will cease to be divided. It will become all one thing or all the other. And he was actually very versed in the Bible. He was referring to Mark 3:24 and 25 that says, If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Make a few statements here. The church today needs to stand strong together. We have some very divisive issues on the table that we're not gonna talk about this morning, but there are very divisive issues in the church that could cause us to get off mission, could cause us to get distracted. And that's not to say that we shouldn't talk about these issues or try to resolve them, but in our purpose, in our mission, it is very important that we stand strong together. There's gonna be many opportunities for us to be divided, for harsh feelings to come out. And if we allow that to take over, uh, we will lose our mission. Families need to stand strong together today. Husbands and wives need to stand strong together. Parents need their children to stand strong with them. And as we've been talking in this series, we are all better off if we stand strong together. I'd like us to go to Daniel 1 verses 6 and 7 and you can see it on the screen and we're going to talk here about uh, Daniel and his friends standing straw together and that first says now from among these of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azirah. Now it's interesting that we talk about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel gets to keep his Hebrew name. And we remember the other three with their Babylonian names. It's interesting how we do that. But their original Jewish names were Hanaya, Mishael, and Azira. They were taken from simple homes in Israel. And their Hebrew names indicated that they were worshipers of the true living God. I'd like to talk to you about what their names meant. Do you know what the word Daniel means? Daniel means, God is my judge. God is my judge. It's interesting because the book of Daniel is full of judgment on so many levels. The first uh, couple of chapters of the book are their story, their personal story, of judgment and worship. And then we get into the big prophecies in the end that take a real worldview of judgment. But Daniel means, God is my judge. And his name that was changed to Belshazzar means... The god Bel will protect the king. Hananiah means Jehovah is gracious, and his name was changed to Shadrach, which means command of Aku, the Babylonian moon god. Mishal in Hebrew means one who belongs to God, and Meshach means one who is like Aku, the moon god. And Azariah means Jehovah helps. Boy, these are prophetic names, aren't they? Aren't these prophetic names of what's going to help? Azira means Jehovah helps and Abednego means servant of Nebu, the Babylonian God of wisdom. So their name changes were an attempt to influence how they viewed themselves. Nebuchadnezzar was hoping that by bringing them into close association with the customs of his culture and under the influence of seductive rites of Babylon and by changing their names, he hoped to change what they believed and stood for. Are we under that pressure today? Are we challenged to change our standards and our beliefs and be more open-minded and more tolerant and it's okay and it doesn't matter? Nebuchadnezzar wanted to change their allegiance from the living God, Jehovah, to the gods of Babylon. And today, in the great controversy, Satan would like us to change our allegiance from where it's at. So what was their first test? Oh, it always comes down to food for me, it seems like. Their test was a test of food, but the interesting thing here was this was not a clean or unclean test ultimately, even though these meats were unclean. If you look there in Daniel 1.8, it says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies or with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Verse nine, now God, Dan, now God brought Daniel into the favor of the goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. Lucky for Daniel and his friends. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord who has appointed you food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you will endanger my head before the king. Okay, his head's on the line here. Chief of the eunuchs, the amazing thing is, is that he grants their request. This is amazing. Verse 11, so Daniel said to the steward who the chief of the eunuchs had said over Daniel, Ananiah, Mishael, and Azira. please test your servants. Is God testing you today? Are you being tested in your life? Are you asking God to test you? Maybe that would be a good prayer. Test me, Lord. Daniel said, please test your servants, in verse 12, for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Okay, that, that, You can't contrast diets anymore. The king's tables and delicacies delicacies and food and wine and all the great stuff. Just give us food and vegetables. It wasn't what ate that brought them favor, what they ate. It was that they took a stand for God and God honored them. Verse 12 Then let our countenance be examined before you and those of the young men who eat of the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. And verse 14 so he consented with them in this matter and tested them ten days. And at the end of the ten days their countenance appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward, verse 16, took away their portion of delicacies and wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. And what did God do for them? In verse 17, because they honored him. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. That's going to come in handy down the road for them. At the very outset of their career in Babylon, they had a decisive test of character. All of us are tested, but I'll tell you today, our young people are really tested today. Maybe more so or harder than these guys were in Babylon. And the critical central issue is loyalty and worship and standing strong together. If they were to partake of this food, it would have been them worshiping the gods of Babylon. That was the key issue. To eat and drink would be to deny their faith in God. And today God calls us to stand strong for him and many issues. God calls us to represent him and his character to all that we come in contact with. They were put in a very unique situation where they could impact uh, the king of Babylon in that court. But God calls us today to do the same, to take that stand. And And we have to ask ourselves, where are we with that issue? As Daniel called his friends to witness for him, he calls us today to witness in the world, to those around us. And we are putting a focus on community outreach, community contact impacting those around us. And and can we all do that? Can we all do that? I wanna show you a video of something that's going on or went on recently called the Neighborhood Bible Club. And let's see what some people in our church are doing to impact
1: their I've been talking, oh boy, over the last few years about how we can continue to make engagement happen. Um, Barb McCoy and I were talking about how could we reach the community um, with VBS and, and get the idea of neighborhood VBS going. And we said, what if we did VBS in a neighborhood, gathered two or three families together, and engaged their children with the children in that neighborhood? The opportunity for our personal children to be involved in leadership. It's been great growth for them. They've each taken a part. They've invited their friends, and we've just had a good time um, playing. The kids have really enjoyed themselves, Um, and it's nice because it's God-focused. You know, the last thing we did, we finished with prayer, and so they're having fun, but also at the same time, just remembering what really matters. We're mentoring them to be able to be future leaders. And then Sony and her creativity helped us with to take it to the next <laughs> level with our crafts because this is not my gift and that's why we collaborated together. It's small. It's not a big, huge responsibility. It's not a burden. This activity of uh, VBS this week was not difficult at all. We had three different people with think very differently. We met together for dinner, for a few hours, then met in the afternoon for a few hours, and it came together. The impact can be big, but the the work doesn't have to be. And I think the Holy Spirit really is leading. We want to be about parents actually engaging with their children in a ministry of service, trying to reach their neighbors to really live the gospel before them and engage them in some type of uh, conversation about Jesus Christ and what he means to them. We think that has a lot more value in actually uh, training our children up in a way that they can learn to be servants and live the gospel as well. So what a great family experience. What a great opportunity to reach out in our communities with a Neighborhood Bible Club.
0: So we have the opportunity now to teach our young people to stand for Christ with their friends, in their schools, in their neighborhoods, and the great thing that we as adults can stand there right with them and teach them. We know from the Bible that Daniel and his friends, they must have been raised very good from their, by their parents. They must have had a real solid, godly upbringing for them to be moved from their culture in Jerusalem to the culture of Babylon. We live here in our culture of church, which is one thing but God does call us to live in Babylon and to interact and connect and witness. So they had a chance to witness at that table. They stayed strong and the steward allowed them to stay. What if they had failed that test? What if they had given in? What if they had not stayed strong there? I wonder how they would have come up to the next test, which was the golden image. And in doing a little research on this thing, this, is, this was the idol of idols, man. This, this is the mega idol. I mean, you, you can't go any bigger than this. This thing was 88 feet tall. Um, I know how tall a basketball rim is. That's 10 feet. You got to do nine of those. This looks like here about maybe four or five. So maybe double our, our ceiling. And, I couldn't find, I'm pretty sure this thing wasn't solid gold, man. If this thing was solid gold, uh, I I don't know if there's that much gold in the world. There probably is, but anyway, it had gold on it. It was 88 feet tall. It was 9 feet wide. It was put out on a plane. When I first came to Orlando and was driving around here and didn't know where I was, I'd sort of look for that building over on I-4. They called it the eyesore on I-4 is what they've called it. That, that tall building that, like, sort of, st- and if you can find where that is, you, I sort of knew where I was. This thing, you could not miss this thing. You could not miss this idol. And uh, let's look what happens there in Daniel 3.12. We're told that um, a report came to the king. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Think that's a dig? You've put some Jews over the affairs of Babylon. You think there's some professional jealousy there? There are certain ones of them, in verse 12, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. Okay, we're just throwing the accusations out there. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. True, okay, so they've got them. I mean, they're caught. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring these guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so they brought them before the king. You ever been called into the office? Called into the boss? Okay, this guy, this guy's got power to chop your head off. Losing your job is one thing. Losing your head is another. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I've set up? Verse 15, now if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre and psalter in symphony with all kinds of music and you fall down and worship the image which I made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Same God who got that boy off the railroad tracks, right? (laughs) What kind of king has a lion's den and a fiery furnace laying around? That gives you a little clue into his management style. Maybe a little intimidating, likes to use force. So we got this fiery furnace. (sighs) Who is this God who will deliver you from my hands? So verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, I always have wondered about this. We have no need to answer you in this matter. And then they answer. But I think they're saying, we don't need to argue about this with you. We don't need to debate it, but we'll, we'll tell you where we're standing here, where we're standing strong together. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. One way or the other, he will. They burn up in the fire. There's this thing called the resurrection, which is ultimate deliverance. So they have faith. But, verse 18, if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. That's taking a pretty strong stand, isn't it? That's being pretty clear in your position. Um, They're standing there together. I'm glad they were together. I'm sure they might have been shaken a little. They might be a little nervous. But they were clear, we're standing strong together. We're not gonna worship you or your God. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, verse 19, and the expression on his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm guessing it didn't get better. Therefore, he spoke and commanded that the heat of the furnace be turned up seven times more than it was usually heated. Okay, turn the air up. Put the heat on low. I, I mean, this is what we call overkill. One, the fire of a regular fire furnace would do the trip, trick. Let's kick it up to seven times. I mean, so he was, we're talking road rage here. He's uh, worship rage. And he commanded certain, verse 20, mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Verse 21 Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So nobody's gonna be able to say this was a trick by Nebuchadnezzar, that it was some fake like fireplace where they were standing behind it and it looked like they're in the fire. His strong guys got wiped out. So that takes that. It's no magic, no trick here. Verse 23, "And and these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound together, into the midst of the burning fiery flame. They fell down into the fire. I don't think anybody's expecting them to stand up. They're down in the fire. Verse 24, one of the funnest couple of verses in the Bible. This one always gets me going. Verse 24, then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished And he rose in haste and spoke saying to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered the king and said, true, O king, we did. Look he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt and the form of the fourth is like the son of man. Okay, let's get this straight. When you stand for God, He will stand for you. When you stand with Him, He will be with you. You may be delivered, you may not. I've seen people pray for cure of cancer be cured. I've seen my dad pray for it and not get it. But I've seen the faith in both that if he chooses to deliver, fine. If not, I trust. So let's get this straight. Key points here in standing strong together. Worship and loyalty to God are key issues for all of us in all places at all times. There is strength and encouragement when we stand together. I'm going to challenge you. If you see somebody at church that looks like they're alone or standing alone, come together. This is where our small groups are helping people connect. I've met people in the small groups that I would never have a chance to meet before and form a bond. There is strength and encouragement when we stand together. Number three, Jesus always stands with us when we stand for him. Number four, standing together brings us strength when we witness and engage with the people and culture around us. Just like the children's Bible study group, they do that in community together. There's a strength in doing it together. And finally, as God called these three, four Hebrew young people to stand for him, God calls us today to stand strong together. So as the decisive issues come, as the temptations come, as the persecution comes, as the political commercials come, brace yourself. As the political discussion heats up, God says to us, stand strong together. Jesus says, stand strong together. The Holy Spirit encourages us to stand strong together. And the choice is ours. What will we do? Please pray with me. Father in heaven, the examples through the Bible are so many so encouraging of people who stood for you. And now in this time and place of Earth's history, in this church or whatever church we represent and come from, we ask that you will give us the strength and faith to stand strong together. May we look to our right and our left and if we see a weaker brother or sister, may we encourage them, may we hold them up, may we pray for them, may we take time to listen for them. In loyalty and worship, may we always stay true to you in all things in life, so that we can be a witness that you are the true living God. Amen.